Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today on Core Principles, it's my honor to welcome to the program the President of World Missions and Evangelism, David Parrish. How are you, David? I'm doing great, Clay. It's so good to be with you today. Well, thank you so much. Well, I want to start with some background for our listeners. How did you come to be part of evangelistic mission work, and how did you get your current position uh, as president of World Missions and Evangelism? Well, actually, the the way that came about was we actually founded World Missions and Evangelism, incorporated our organization here. I was um, in college in the early 1980s, and uh, I was uh, seeking God's will for my life. And one day uh, I was in a chapel service, and, and I really was impacted by the, a speaker who was a missionary. And I knew right then that the Lord was, was uh, telling me uh, that in my life I needed to be a part of missions. So right after that, I graduated and came back home and went on staff at my home church and actually was on staff there for 25 years. On staff for 11 years, I was the senior pastor for 14 years. But in 1988, uh, about five years into that process, while I was just a staff member, uh, we started this organization, World Missions and Evangelism, WME, in order to help actually one missionary. Our church was supporting a missionary and they needed some some aid in some areas. And so we started uh, WME to help one missionary. And then over the years it grew and we got more missionaries and we became a small missionary sending organization. So I was actually the founding president in 1988 uh, when I was merely 26 years old, but I spent 25 years on the staff of the church. And then about 12 years ago, uh, left pastoring to lead WME full-time uh, because of some new initiatives that we uh, that we were doing. Well, I know we're going to want to talk about those initiatives. Uh, before that, I want to just ask you, you know, it's a great big wide world with uh, the mission fields everywhere, including right here locally. Um, where in the world do you focus your mission work with WME? Let's look at it this way. It's like a circle within a circle within a circle. So our primary focus, the epicenter, the place where we have given the very most attention over the last 12 years is Central America, particularly with the epicenter in Honduras and Central America. And then beyond that, all of uh, Central, South, North America and the Caribbean. Beyond that, because the ripples of what has happened there in Honduras has been rippling out and so we've kind of raised our sights with a focus on all of the Western Hemisphere. And then, of course, the name of our organization is World Missions and Evangelism. We do have uh, elements, offshoots, and connections of all of this that are actually global. So, uh, but in the context of we have global missionaries, we have missionaries that are in Africa, we have, a, we have work in Asia, Africa, and Europe. Uh, as well, but the epicenter of everything is right where we started. I mentioned that original missionary we started with in 1988 was a missionary to Honduras. And so that is literally the epicenter. And from that place, 
all over the world. But again, that is our primary focus, Central America, and then also now South America and, 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 and that Western Hemisphere. Now, I want to ask you uh, to describe for listeners sort of the goal of WME, but I also want to put this in the context. Uh, there are people, uh, and some may be our listeners, whose impression of the word evangelism has come from what they may have seen on television. I would like for you to offer up a better, more uh, realistic definition of what evangelism really means and what is it about, and then uh, tie that in, if you would, to the primary goal of World Missions and Evangelism as an organization. Absolutely. That really is what makes us distinctive. Not, We're certainly not the only organization with this focus, but we are an organization with a specific focus. Most people, as you said, when you hear the word evangelism, you think of one of, usually one of two kinds of things. You either think of like mass evangelism, like what we see on television. And, and, and by the way, we've engaged in some of that. In, in these 33 years that WME has existed, we've engaged in sponsoring, participating, preaching, and everything in crusades and things like that. So we've been, in, we've been a part of that. But that is not the primary way that we do evangelism. The other way most people think of evangelism is what you would call personal evangelism. Uh, individuals learning how to witness, whether it's the four spiritual laws or the Roman road or, or you know, you know, knock on doors and hand out tracts or whatever. Again, all of these are methods that have been used and used with wonderful effect to bring people to Christ. And we support all of those kinds of ministries. But our particular focus takes off from the wording of the Great Commission itself, which is Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. And so our particular point of view is that we do evangelism by making disciples. Now, most people think that it goes like this. Again, there's a little bit of a paradigm shift in our approach and the way a lot of people have perceived it and have actually practiced it over the years. Uh, most people see the word discipleship uh, similar to the word follow-up. For instance, you preach a crusade and people respond to the altar call, and then you follow up with them to try to connect them to a church or help them grow in Christ or put them in a Bible class or something. And they say that's discipleship. And indeed, it is. We take we look at discipleship just a little bit differently in that instead of doing a evangelistic event or an evangelistic encounter first and then following it with discipleship, our philosophy is, and we believe that we have biblical precedent for it, that we want to engage people on this side of conversion so that we meet people and we befriend them and we actually begin the discipling process before they are converted. And then there is this moment where they come to Christ, exercise faith in Christ, follow the Lord in baptism and so forth, and then discipleship continues on life lifelong. So we see the, the, the evangelism process happening in the context of a long process of disciple making, some that precedes conversion and the rest that follows conversion, if that makes sense. And so that's our underlying 
kind of theological and uh, tactical approach. It does make perfect sense, and it's a it's a good approach. I want you to uh, share with us then some of the ways that has been successful and how you measure that success. I know that you've got this process you call NSTAR. Maybe you can describe what that is, but I've heard you talk about it in terms of making disciples who make disciples. So you might share with us how that has manifested over these years that you've been engaged in this activity. Well, we what happened was that we, we met some people about 16 years ago. We were already deeply involved in missions. We were deeply involved in church planting internationally as an organization. But we began to hear reports about certain places where there was just these explosions of exactly what you said. Disciples making disciples, making disciples, making disciples, churches, planting churches, planting churches, planting what we call multi-generationally church planting. When we say generational, we're not talking about, you know, older people, middle aged and younger. We're talking about a church is first generation and it plants another church, that's second generation. And then that one plants a third one and it's third generation. We were hearing reports of this, of enormous harvest in certain places, especially India and Africa. We And we got to know some people and we began to get some training from them and we began to get our some of our team members trained in that and we began to focus that in Latin America. Okay, so the process of that, and by the way, you also mentioned NSTAR. We yes. call the whole project NSTAR because uh, basically I-N-S-T-A-R, every one of those letters stands for a an element of the process. The I stands for intercession. And so we start there and we have a prayer team and prayer teams and prayer strategies, multiple prayer strategies that we, that we use, because we believe, first of all, that nothing happens without prayer, that, that nothing in disciple making or missions or any of this will happen without the hand of God. This is really a God thing. Uh, My coach years ago told me, that we, in no uncertain terms, you're not going to succeed in this. This is not your work. And I realized that was true. It's God's work, and we, in effect, join him in that. And so that means prayer is the core. And so we start with prayer. And the first thing we do is pray, and we're constantly working on building our prayer network. We even have a prayer website, instarprayer.org. And it is full of prayer resources to help join in prayer for this and other uh, outreach. Uh, Second, the N stands for networking. And so what that means is then prayerfully we go forward and we look to equip. We are more of an equipping, facilitating organization. We look to find churches, mission organizations, individual Christians, and so forth in key locations on the mission field or wherever that we can develop relationships with. Because the truth about it is, the Protestant mission enterprise is now over 200 years old, beginning with William Carey in 1792. So the word of the, there are outposts of God's kingdom all over the world. And what's happening is God has spread his word many places, and yet there's still many more places for it to reach. And so there are outposts, there are churches, leaders, missions, organizations, and so forth in many good, in in near geographical places, but they need a a more effective strategy. 
And, and the Lord has blessed us to understand a strategy that is producing amazing fruit. And so we network with them. That leads to the S, which means serve. First thing we do is we say to them, how can we serve you? Are there areas we can help you? Are there needs in your community? And we do a lot of service from feeding the hungry to drilling water wells over. We've done that in the past to uh, educational supplies, many different kinds of service. And this is a key component uh, because you might look at it as community development, but for us, it's, it's part of the gospel. And, and it's also the thing that opens door. So intercession, networking, and service, service and servanthood. Now that leads us to the T because the T stands for training because we've learned a method of training believers how to engage lost people, how to meet lost people. A lot of believers don't even have any lost friends. They don't know how to, you know, they don't, you know, after they've been a Christian for a while, they're, they're in a kind of a Christian bubble and they speak Christianese. They, and, and the lost people in our world today and in different cultures don't even understand what we're talking about. So we have to teach them first, you know, how do you even meet lost people? You know, what, how do you relate to a lost person, you know, as a friend? And, and, how, and, and we do that through service and so forth. And so we train people how to do that. But then we train them and equip them in a method of making disciples that we have seen a lot of fruit globally. You'd be amazed. And, and before we're over, I'll tell you something about the global impact, not just with us, but globally with this. It'll amaze you. But we train them. And then the A stands for assist. Because once we train someone, if they desire it and if they are really ready to go forward and begin to implement this. We come alongside to assist them with coaching, materials, and as long as they're willing to go forward, we're willing to go forward. And that leads to the R, which actually stands for reporting. But what that means is we want to track what God is doing through this. How many people are coming to Christ? How many discovery Bible studies are starting? How many churches are being planted? How many people are being saved? How many are being baptized? What are they multiplying? Is it are they becoming disciples that make disciples that make disciples? And so we have a way of tracking that. And so that is our overall overreaching strategy that we're implementing. That, that really is a great overview of that, David, and I appreciate that. Uh, so as World Missions and Evangelism is walking through this in-star process that you've described, I know you've shared with me over the years that we've been uh, partnering together in some way, the growth of this is phenomenal, and you, you know it because you do track how many of these churches are planted, how many groups gather together in the name of the Lord and how many people are involved in these things, how many people are being baptized as a result of these things. And it's just so encouraging to me as an outsider looking in at how much impact you have. You mentioned, of course, the great commission that Jesus gave us to go and make disciples. I know that you and other groups like World Missions and Evangelism have common purpose to pursue the Great Commission. And I have heard you say that there are those within the worldwide movement to, uh, to move towards that, that really have this audacious goal of seeing that fulfillment uh, within mere decades. Could you describe some of that? So 
we are a part, we and many other organizations are a part of a network called the 2414 Coalition, which is really a coalition. It's not even an organization per se. But there are, we, there are numerous partnering organizations that we work with that have the same essential strategy that are focused in different parts of the world. The 2414 Coalition is made up of numerous leaders globally that are, that are focused on this particular strategy. Our goal is, it's called 2414 because that's in reference to Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. So if we think about what he's saying there, he's saying that our commission, our job, is to get the gospel to every location and to every, it says all people. The word in Greek is ethne, which means people groups. Now, there are around, there's different uh, calculations of it, but there's somewhere, I'm going to be very general here, around 13,000 people groups or tribes. You know, we're divided not only by nations, you know, around 200 or so nation states on planet Earth, but we're divided by people groups, ethnicities, languages, and so forth. Believe it or not, there are currently around, uh, our, the, the best estimates are around 13,000 ethno-linguistic people groups, depending on how, how you categorize everyone, around 13,000. Of those 13,000 people groups, the earth has around 7.8 billion people. So if our world population is around 7.8 billion, and that's divided up into around 13,000 people groups, the fact of the matter is that today as I speak to you here in 2021, that the latest data that we have would suggest that there are about 7,000 of those people groups that are what we called unreached people groups. And what that means is unreached people groups are groups that are, that as far as we know, with the best research we have, uh, is they are less than 2% responsive to the gospel, less than. And what that means statistically, when, and some of this is gets kind of technical, uh, if you study it scientifically with you know, a theory called the diffusion of innovation. The bottom line is, in order to impact any set of people, you have to be able to influence a base number of people in that group. If you can't get a foothold within a base number within a population, you can't leverage that population, if that makes sense. So in other words, a even if you have one or two or 10 believers in a tribe, they are not strong enough to evangelize their whole tribe until you get to a certain percentage. And missiologists have set that percentage, whether for right or wrong, there's some debate about it, but whether for right or wrong, at 2%. And there are 7,000 people groups in the world that are less than 2% evangelical believers today as I speak to you. And by the way, that means 4.3 billion human beings live in those people groups. That's more than half of all of humanity today live in what are called unreached people groups. Now, among those, half of those, 3,500 approximately, are not only unreached, but are what are called unengaged. And unengaged people groups are people groups that are not only less than 2% responsive to the gospel, but as I speak to you today, as far as our current research tells us, no mission organization is engaging them with any form of church planting. 
at this current time. So in other words, there's no active church planting work going on among 3,500. Now that population is smaller. That population is about 1 billion. So about 1 billion of our 7.8 billion people on the earth today are in unengaged unreached people groups. Now that becomes the number one priority. And the 2414 coalition has a goal to engage with the gospel and some form of disciple-making church planting strategy. All of those groups and all of those places by the end of the year 2025. That doesn't mean they would have responded yet, but to at least have an attempt in all of those peoples and all of those places by the end of 2025. You say, why 2025? There's no reason other than they just set that date. The fact of the matter is, whether we hit that goal or not, we're not going to stop because it's not about the date, it's about the mission. But a lot of times, unless we set a, a date goal to, to get something done, we'll just sit around and talk about it. And so the, the date goal, whether we achieve that or not, the date goal is motivational to us. And it is, and 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 so active work is going on. Beyond that, coming up right beyond that is the year 2033. And what is the significance of the year 2033? 2,000 years since Exactly 2,000 years since the cross and the resurrection and the first day of Pentecost, the birth of the church. And there, uh, there's another organization called FTT, Finishing the Task. You may know who Rick Warren is. He's the head of FTT. 2414 has a goal of engagement by the end of 2025. FTT has a goal, as I understand their goal, and I, I certainly affirm it, and that is of closure by 2033. That is, what we mean closure is that we have that kind of response, that there are no more, not only that we not only not have any more unengaged groups, but that every group be reached. Now, of course, that's something only God can do, but he does it through us, and so FTT is a network, 2414 is a network, WME is in effect aligned with the goals of both, and in our niche of the world, the Western Hemisphere, we find that there are 374 unreached people groups that are indigenous, natives. You, we might call them Indians, Native Americans, that kind of thing. The majority of them are in South America, but there are still some even in North America. But uh, 374 unreached people groups, and believe it or not, 217 of those here in our own hemisphere, still unengaged. And so that has become our goal, to see them engaged, to see them engaged, and to see them brought to Christ, and to see some level of missional, multiplying, disciple making disciple movement happen among them in that time frame. And to, to, to basically see whatever it takes to see this job done during this time. That's our goal. And we do it with our particular strategy. That is amazing and truly a God-sized goal. Only he can bring that to fruition. But uh, the workers are few, I think, uh, is the, the phrase. Well, thank you, David Parrish, president of World Missions and Evangelism. This will conclude the first part of this two-part episode. Listeners, uh, you'll definitely want to tune in for the exciting second part of this episode. 
Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.